The following podcast contains strong language and adult themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Behold, the annals of pestilence. The stories you're about to hear are not real, though they contain elements of the truth. The tales herein might entertain you, cause you to smile, or perhaps cry, or something else entirely. Because this anthology of narratives, some of them connected, others less so, acts as a door to another realm. You are about to board an interdimensional cruise ship en route to comedy, tragedy, and unspeakable cosmic horror. This one-way journey is powered by existential dread and nervous laughter. Once boarded, there is no turning back. The stories you are about to hear are an infection, a narrative Contagion, the word virus. Rock versus the Lizard People. Punk Rock versus the Lizard People is currently available in its unabridged entirety as a novel by Joshua S. Porter. Order the book today on Amazon.com. This story references songs available on playlists through Apple Music and Spotify by searching Punk Rock versus the Lizard People. Mod Log 3 The Visit. Having worked up a sweat during my ill-planned escape from the rednecks, and unsure of what to do with myself after having returned home in the middle of the day, I decided to take a shower. By the time the steam had enveloped the bathroom in a swampy fog, I stepped out, wrapping a thick towel around my waist, clearing the humidity from the mirror with an open palm. I examined myself for a minute or two. Yes, I flexed my virtually non-existent muscles and hunched forward until my stomach revealed a set of proto-abs waiting to happen. Feeling a little better, I moved back down the hallway toward the extended attic stairs. My mom was at work, and the house was eerily silent. My hair dripping, I climbed up the stairs into the attic, then turned around. There, in the middle of my room, stood an emi, a lizard person a real-life alien from another world in my own personal room with my own personal skateboard in its big, scaly claws, spinning a wheel and staring at it the way a baby stares at a dangling set of keys. Holy shit, I said. Okay, pause. Time out. At this point, I need you to understand the magnitude of the situation. See, although nearly every human, young and old, was familiar with the Emi and their worldwide presence what they looked like, how they got here, what they were doing on Earth. Relatively few people saw them in real life. The Emi were like celebrities or recognizable politicians, always on TV and magazine covers, yet you subconsciously assume you'll never come home to discover Molly Ringwald or Ronald Reagan in your room holding your skateboard. 
Go ahead. Imagine it. Imagine coming home and stumbling upon Molly holding your skateboard, just standing there, spinning the wheel, all curious. Okay, well, maybe not Molly, because that'd be awesome. No, imagine Reagan instead. So there's an immediate avalanche of complicated emotions, right? One, this is scary, like home invasion scary. Two, am I in trouble or something? Three, is this happening? Now, double, no, triple, each of those reactions and more because this isn't the president or a hot actress, it's a damn alien from another planet. I realized that to my parents' generation, even the discovery of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe was a world-changing experience. But for folks my age, this was the only version of the world we'd ever known. You get used to spending all your time amongst other human beings. To see an emi up close is like taking a kid to an aquarium to see an octopus for the first time. Sure, they've seen the invertebrates and coloring books or alphabet charts, but this is something else entirely. This is weird. One might assume that they'd happen upon an emi if they were visiting Los Angeles or Washington, D.C. or New York City, or maybe even near the Secret Research Center in Vancouver, Washington. But even that was a stretch. You don't expect to find an octopus in your attic. So with all that in mind, try and put yourself in my head as I stood there like a stupefied idiot, naked except for a towel, staring at an actual uninvited space alien lizard in my bedroom. Get it? Okay, let's continue. The first thing I thought to do was to grip my towel. I guess I felt that things were weird enough without accidentally flashing the alien. The second thing I did was to stammer, uh, uh, just like that. I assumed more was coming and surprised myself when nothing did. I couldn't help but notice that the alien was bigger than I thought they'd be. Still vaguely humanoid in shape and stance, it was about as sizable as one of our freakishly tall NBA players. It squatted there in the attic the way I imagine a bipedal dinosaur might pause for rest. And like a dinosaur, the alien had lean, muscular legs that ended in big, three-toed feet like an enormous owl all talons and shingle-like scales. A crimson hooded robe covered most of its body, tattered and filthy. Out of the back issued a long, muscular tail, undulating on the floor behind the alien. One hand gripped the skateboard with three long, spindly fingers and an opposable thumb, all of them in ornate gold rings fixed with polished stones. With the other hand, the alien flicked at the skateboard wheel with a sharp black claw like whittled graphite. When the emi finally turned to face me as I remained stationary, all wet and in shock, we stood in silence for what felt like an unbearable eternity. I'm pretty sure it was a few seconds. The big yellow eyes sat in sunken sockets, shadowed by bony protrusions that gave them a look of perpetual ferocity, like a bird of prey. It had a long lizard snout, lips lined with broad, flat scales like a Komodo dragon. Drawn over its muzzle was a gold chain ornamented with other dangling gold chains, creating a sort of jewelry veil across the emi's maw. Like its cloak, the jewelry appeared to have seen better days. Several links had been bent or broken, as if it had mostly fallen apart, and the emi had just decided to go on wearing it anyway. Conspirator, the lizard person said. Of course, like everyone, I was well aware that the emi spoke English, albeit somewhat garbled by a heavy alien accent, some muddling of snake-like hissing, tongue rolls, clicks, and snore-like fluttering of the palate. 
I'd seen Amy speaking on TV and in school documentaries hundreds of times, and yet the only thing more jarring than the physical presence of this alien in my room was hearing its voice and the name it had called me. By the time you finish my story, you may assume that this accusation, conspirator, was what cued the reaction that follows, but it wasn't. I didn't have the time or the cognitive resources to consider what this thing had said, let alone what it implied. So, I screamed. I don't mind admitting it. I screamed in several falsetto bursts, as if suddenly doused with cold water. Then, one hand still on my towel, I leaped over the attic door beneath me and ran foolishly into the corner opposite the alien, who went on standing there staring at me. Right away, I wondered what I was doing and why I hadn't just gone back down the stairs. Holy shit, I said, to whom I don't know, then repeated it. Rob, I yelled, my voice gasping and freaked. Rob, call the police. Immediately, the police began issuing from Rob's crappy speakers. Conspirator, the lizard person said again, a hiss and gurgle tucked into the syllables. It was otherwise ignoring my panic attack. The alien tossed the skateboard aside and swung its bulk toward my corner of the attic. Its tail became animated, swimming in the air behind the alien like a snake. You conspire with the historian, it said, now revealing a surprising lack of alien accent. Every breath you take, crooned Sting from Rob's speakers. Uh, uh, I stammered. Mom? The emi paused, turning an ear to the floor as if to give Mom a moment to answer. Then it turned back to me and furrowed its brow. What's your problem? it asked. That's when I realized how wigged out I was. My breathing slowed and I felt the way one does when a friend leaps from a shadow to scare you, embarrassed by my panic. Oh, can't you see? Sting went on singing. Dude, I said, not knowing how to talk to an alien lizard. What the hell are you doing in my house? In my room? Now the lizard person had both hands up, fingers fanned out in a settle-down gesture. I'm like you, it said. A conspirator. No, 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 I stammered. I'm not a conspirator. I never conspired. I don't conspire. The alien produced a portable, computer-like device that resembled a futuristic speak-and-spell and peered down at it. Consistent internet research in areas of deep space travel, the history of the Syad, paleontology, the facility in Vancouver. I knew it, I barked. I knew you guys were monitoring our internet use. Extensive research on Jim Henson? The emi cocked its head, tapping its device. That had to be Connor. Every smile you fake, sang Sting. Do you know who the historian is? The alien asked. The who? I squeaked. Rob! I yelled. No more music! The song silenced. The alien tucked its device into the satchel over its shoulder and stepped forward. I need to show you. The sudden movement startled me and I let loose another falsetto gasp. The alien seemed surprised and it raised a finger to its lips in a panicked, you have got to be quiet gesture. Dude, I fired back, suddenly defensive. Are you shushing me? Its hand still up, the emi said, I just want to talk. If anyone comes home and hears you squawking like that, they'll flip out. I'm flipping out, I whispered loudly. Clearly, 
but you should calm the hell down and let me talk. Why are you here? I told you, I'm a conspirator, like you. The sound of the front door opening silenced us both. In perfect unison, our heads both whipped toward the open attic door, then back to one another. I'll hide, said the emi. What? No, don't hide. Leave. But the alien was already moving to the other side of the attic and attempting to cram its big body between the bed and the wall, where it tucked itself down, the red robe making it appear as though I'd covered a pile of laundry with a crimson blanket. Yeah, I said sarcastically. No one will suspect a thing. The emi shushed me again. Before I could say anything else, I could hear Mom calling for me downstairs. Still wearing a towel, I scanned the attic as if I expected to find some solution in my surroundings, but there was only Rob. Mom called again, this time closer. She was making her way to the attic, looking for me. Rob, I whispered urgently. Play bad brains at full volume. Immediately, a barrage of chaotic, screaming punk rock exploded from Rob's dinky speakers, dissonant and peaking horribly. A moment later, Mom appeared at the top of the pull-down stairs, squinting into the horrible din of the attic. Yikes, she yelled over the music, noting that I was in a towel. Turn Rob down for a second. He's screwed up, I lied. I'm trying to fix him. Well, come downstairs for a minute, okay? She disappeared before I could answer. In the corner, the conspicuous red blanket stirred and the emi peered out from beneath its hood. Dude, what the hell? I yelled over bad brains. You didn't even know if she was gone. It made a sound like sucking its teeth. I could tell, it insisted. Shut the hell up, Rob, I said. The music stopped. After running frantically downstairs, I found Mom in the kitchen emptying brown paper grocery bags into the pantry and fridge. Got something against clothes? She asked without looking at me. I looked down and realized I was still in the towel, still holding on to it with one hand. I just took a shower, I said. I gathered. There's a reason you're home early? I wasn't feeling well. They sent me home. She eyed me suspiciously, but seemed to relent. Listen, you have plans with your posse tonight? A new wave of stress crashed over me as I remembered my conversation with Emma. Uh, yeah, I guess they might be here at some point. Great, Mom said, still fluttering about the kitchen. I'm going to dinner with the gals from work. You going to be okay without me? I'd solved one of my problems, at least for the moment. Yeah, I said. Sure. Listen, babe, I'm in a rush, so I'm going to get ready and book it. You sure you're all set for the evening? I smiled. Go to dinner, dork. You're a dork. She winked at me, then turned to head upstairs. I watched her go up, my heart hammering against my ribs as she approached the open attic door, but, of course, she passed right by it. Breathing a sigh of relief and exhaling slowly through puffed cheeks, I looked down at my towel, then back up the stairs. What the hell was going on? When I climbed back into the attic, the alien was just out in the damn open for the whole world to see, powering up the Atari ST. Dude! I said, exasperated. What the hell are you doing? Seriously. There's something you need to see, the Amy said, effortlessly logging into my NARS account. Are you kidding me? I asked in frustration, moving over to the gadget table. You know my NARS credentials? What? the Amy asked, not listening. 
I refused to let it go. You know my NARS credentials? I said a second time, louder. The volume startled us both as our heads spun around expecting to see Mom's head appear at the attic door. Dude, the Emi whispered, you seriously need to take a chill pill. A chill pill? I whispered the way one does when they want to scream but have to be quiet. I have got an alien in my room talking about conspiracies and my mom is downstairs. Beneath us, mom called up to let me know she was leaving. Okay, mom, I yelled absently, my eyes on the Emi. Have fun. In another moment, we heard the front door open and close. I looked at the clock. The Emi stood. The closeness of it only occurred to me now. I began to focus in on every bizarre detail, the bird-like flick of the eyes, the undulating of the sinuses along either side of the snout, the black tongue inside the mottled green jaw, the inside lined with crowded fangs. I am Isaiah, the Emi said. Isaiah? I asked. Isaiah, he repeated slowly. I am an exile. Exiled from what? From my home at the Syad base in Vancouver. From my people. Wait, you're from that research center in Washington? I was there, yes. But you've been exiled. Yes. From a research center. From my people, Isaiah corrected. Well, I ran away from home, you could say. Ran away? I asked, raising an eyebrow. What are you, six years old? Did your parents not get you a bike for Christmas or something? I am not six, and my parents are dead. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I've got my own tragic origin story, Isaiah. I don't break into strangers' houses and give them heart attacks. You didn't have a heart attack, he scoffed. You just yelped like a girl for a little while, and I know you're familiar with tragedy. That's one of the reasons I'm here. Oh, well, how do you like that? I said, getting angry and loud again. You know about my tragedy. You know where I live. You know my damn NARS login. So what are we doing here, Isaiah? I say ya, he corrected, matching my tone. You have questions, doubts about the stories you've been led to believe. I can tell you've been doing research. So? I fired back. I also wrote a whole NARS post about Godzilla 1985. What the hell do I know? He sneered. So the hours you spent in search of answers were meaningless. Uh, yeah, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Give the internet a browse sometime. It's a bona fide treasure trove of useless information. And is that what you do on there? Useless things? Who, me? I asked. No, numbnuts. Rob. Who the hell else would I be talking to? Rob lit up. How can I be of service? Shut up, Rob, we both said. If you're going to spend all your time on useless endeavors, I'm not sure authoring guides to modifying Nintendo consoles and Betamax players are the sort of things that impress the ladies, Isaiah said. I shrugged. Maybe I only like nerd girls, and that's how I weed them out. That's so. Any prospects? I paused, looked down. No. Listen, he said. I think you're lying. I think you have begun to suspect the truth 
and there's something I want to show you. Suddenly, from downstairs, we heard the front door open. Miss Sarah? Emma's voice called out. Danny? I say his eyes widened. He pointed at my towel. Dude, you better get dressed. I'm up here, Emma, I suddenly yelled back. Isaiah looked at me like I'd lost my mind. What was I supposed to do, ignore her? I whispered in a panic. I'll hide again, said Isaiah, moving toward the corner. I ran after him, cutting him off. What? Dude, no. You look like a dinosaur under a fucking blanket. I'll get down real low, he insisted. You're as big as the bed, I shot back. Danny? Emma's voice in the hallway below. I looked around the attic in desperation. Ignoring me, I say abounded over to the bed, sidled up to the wall, and settled into as low a pile as he could. The result was a distractingly bizarre shape gathered up under a crimson cloak in the corner. It looked like something I'd lure a guest toward, only to snatch the drape away and reveal some invention I'd developed in secrecy. Danny? Emma asked again, appearing at the attic door. Oh, she giggled, turning away. Sorry, I, I didn't realize you weren't dressed. I looked down at the towel for the millionth time. Oh, right, yeah, sorry about that, I babbled awkwardly. I'll just wait at the bottom of the stairs. Let me know when you're dressed, she said warmly, vanishing from sight. I scrambled over to my dresser, frantically grabbing underwear, jeans, and a threadbare Bowie t-shirt. Nearly shaking, I dressed like the speed of doing so could ward off a nuclear blast. In the corner, the conspicuous red shape shuffled about, a big lizard head poking out over the edge of the bed. I made a frenzied, get down, you idiot, gesture with my hands, and he narrowed his eyes like I was being unreasonable, but then tucked his head out of sight. Uh, okay, Emma, I stammered, all dressed. She climbed up the stairs, smiling. Thanks for the peep show, Buster, she smiled, somehow diffusing the weirdness I felt. I laughed, and she smiled big, but attempted to subdue the smile, making a cute little puckered lip face that made my head go all warm and gooey. Uh, are you just stopping by, or... I heard about what happened at school, so I cut class to come and see if you were okay. Emma moved over to where I was standing pinching her knuckles one by one the way she often did when she was fidgety. Her back was to our hidden guest, which was a small relief, but I was still paranoid she'd turn around or that he'd suddenly stand up and start talking. I'm fine. I'm sure it'll all blow over. Listen, she said. I still wanted to talk about, you know, the other night, before I left for California. Oh, Right, I nodded, feeling self-conscious. Emma reached out and took one of my hands. I didn't mean to, you know, complicate anything. I don't know where you're at, I guess. I stood there, staring, wide-eyed, heart racing. Eventually, I realized she was waiting for me to respond. I nodded dumbly. It doesn't have to, you know, become an ordeal or anything she added. In the corner, Isaiah stirred, then stalled again. Right, I said, nodding again. Right? Emma echoed as if she didn't know what that was supposed to mean. 
Yeah, I, uh, I agree. More movement in the corner. With which part? Emma asked patiently. That, you know, it doesn't have to be a thing. You don't want it to be a thing? She asked, raising her eyebrows. Isaiah's head was out and entirely visible, watching the two of us like we were a sitcom. I went on clumsily. No, I just mean, you know, it doesn't have to be an ordeal or anything. Emma looked at me for a moment, eyebrows lowered, then nodded slowly. If that's what you want, she shrugged with a sad-looking smile. Isaiah was practically standing up. Listen, Emma, I blurted out like a crazy person. I hate to, like, kick you out, but do you mind if I get dressed real quick? She looked at my body and gestured at my clothes. You just did, she said. Oh, right, I said, stretching my shirt out as if I were surprised to find it on my person. I put on dirty clothes because I was, you know, in a rush and all. Emma seemed genuinely perplexed. Am I freaking you out, Danny? My heart was beating so hard and fast that I began to feel as if it might break my ribs. No, I gasped, giving her an awful start. I just, uh, I smell. You're being weird, she said, and leaned forward to sniff my shirt. I caught a brief whiff of her hair and felt a warm rush of sensory memory flood my system like a drug, calming me momentarily. You don't smell, she said. In that moment, the only thing I could think to say was the utterly stupid, thanks. Emma eyed me apprehensively. And you're not trying to kick me out because this conversation is making you uncomfortable, she asked. No, seriously, Emma, no, I just... I say, now completely upright, was looking at me with a lowered brow, shaking his head like a disapproving parent. I need to change. Emma searched my eyes for a moment. Isaiah folded himself back into the corner, and Emma turned and moved down the attic stairs with what seemed to be a bit of attitude. Rob, I called out, play music. Of course, Rob activated the last thing he'd been asked to play, and bad brains came blaring out of his nearly blown speaker. Volume down, volume down, I yelled. Running to the corner... I leaned into Isaiah's maw and whispered furiously through clenched teeth, Dude, you have got to get the hell out of here. Just tell her, he scoffed, like this was the most reasonable suggestion in the world. Tell her what? I asked. That by spending hours secretly reading conspiracy theories online, I've somehow invited an actual alien into my house? Go out the window. Now! He turned to the window, then back to me the ornamental gold chain swinging with his big head and making little twinkling sounds. Fine, I'll hide in the shed out back. Fine, the shed, yeah, whatever, I said, shooing him with my hands. Why do you wear that thing on your face? This thing is a talisman handed down by the matriarch of my tribe. Oh my God, fine, it's an heirloom, whatever, just go to the damn shed. I opened the window and watched as he narrowed and flattened his bulky frame to move effortlessly through the small opening, then crawled down the side of the house fast and spider-like. Okay, Emma, I called out when Isaiah had vanished from sight. You can come back up. 
Emma ascended the stairs with a slightly annoyed look on her face, something I hadn't seen before. You didn't change, she said, shifting her weight onto one leg, hand on her hip. She was gorgeous. Her wavy brown hair fell carelessly around her bare shoulders, exposed by her loose-fitting gray t-shirt. I hadn't begun to think clearly yet, but the panic was slowly subsiding. The details of the conversation we'd just had were settling in my mind. What had I said? Listen, Emma, I began, rubbing my face like a spaz. Beneath us, we could hear the front door swing open and several loud, animated voices wandering inside. It was the rest of the gang. Yo, Connor yelled. Miss Sarah, Danny, we bring you glad tidings of great pizza. A few feet away, Emma bit her lip and gave me a sad look. proliferation of the word virus you can support our efforts via patreon.com slash the word virus lure others to infection by sharing the word virus via social media on twitter at the word virus and instagram at spread the word virus and at the word 